Welcome to the Hypno Toad Podcast on the Heartland College Football Podcast Network. It's your friend, it's your co-host, it's your co-pilot, unless you're flying southwest. It's Andrew Zimmel hanging out with you as we get into Fiesta Bowl week. That's right. Will TCU be winning the Fiesta Bowl and dancing their way to a national championship? Or is this how the season ends against the Michigan Wolverines? We'll talk about all of that. And of course, the transfer trail is what we're calling it. As the early signing day came and went last Wednesday, TCU signed a bunch of guys, picked up a bunch more in the transfer portal. We're highlighting three of them. A couple guys I'm keeping my eye on for the 2023-24 season. But first, I want to say thank you guys for listening to the podcast and sharing it. You know, as the year kind of wraps up, we started this podcast about the two-third mark of the TCU season, talked about a couple of the big wins, talked about a very bad loss in the Big 12 championship game, but through it all, you guys have helped support the podcast as well as the entire Heartland College Football Podcast Network, and for that, I am thankful. I hope you guys had an excellent Christmas. I hope you got everything you wanted. I asked Santa for a bowl win. He said, well, it's going to be a while, so hopefully we get that this past this next weekend. And just a reminder that mistletoe, it's not only a Christmas celebration, you can use it at that New Year's Eve party, and uh, hopefully you get to watch TCU and then go to that New Year's Eve party. And uh, you can tell all your friends, can't wait to see you at the national championship. I do want to start about traveling before we end the transfer trail. As guys are moving around, we were moving around this past weekend as it was one of the worst the worst holiday travel weekends maybe of all time. I don't think that there's ever been a worse one. Maybe Mary and Joseph had a tough one. I think this one was a close second because, look, I was trying to fly out on Monday, the day after Christmas, out of San Antonio trying to get back to Minneapolis so I can go back to my day job. Didn't happen for me, okay? That flight got canceled. Had to drive an hour to Austin. That flight got canceled. I was one of the thousands of casualties thanks to a Southwest is a scheduling, but in all of that, I met a bunch of friends. I'll tell you about my TCU friends first. Met Colin and Seth in the Austin airport. Now I don't know if these two guys, if they got this TCU gear for Christmas and they were just trying to wear it to the airport. I don't know if they are just their entire wardrobe is TCU gear. But man, oh man, they were decked from head to toe in TCU gear, trying to get from Austin to Dallas. Now I don't know what their uh, how their paths went once they left the Austin airport and hopefully they got where they needed to be. But these two guys, man, I talked to them as I was waiting for my flight to finally get canceled and uh, move into line to figure out what's next for me. But I was talking to them and I was asking, hey, man, I'm a big TCU fan too. I told them a little bit about the podcast and I asked them, what is your expectations for this weekend? What do you think? How do you feel about our frogs? Both of them could not be more confident. I've never seen people more confident after waiting for a flight as long as they were. Seth and Colin both thought that TCU not only would beat Michigan, but they were going to prove all the doubters wrong, which is something we're going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast, because I cannot find a single pundit, single talking head. I can't find anybody outside of the TCU fan base that thinks the Frogs have a chance in hell. I, I just don't see it. I, I'm on board. Seven and a half point underdogs against the Wolverines. I understand Michigan's good. I understand the Big Ten gets a lot of uh, praise in the national media. I don't see it. I cannot wait to talk about this game with you later in the podcast. But I do want to mention this because I have one of the best stories for you during this travel weekend. So, trying to fly out of Austin, my flight was supposed to be at noon, didn't get canceled till 4 p.m. 
as I was sitting waiting for it, reading my book, you know, eating some Twizzlers, as I do in the airport, I talked to this couple, Raul and Beth, who were flying to Minneapolis, or trying to at least. Their flight got canceled as well. Then we met a guy. His name was Zach. He was from Houston trying to get to Minneapolis as well. Point of the story, all of us decided, only knowing each other for maybe an hour, to carpool the 17-hour drive from San Antonio, where it's the only place you can get a rental car in Central Texas, to Minneapolis. And that's exactly what we did. We took off around 6 p.m., did not get to the Twin Cities until noon the next day. Guys, this is one of the best stories I can tell you. Because if you have any faith in strangers, I know in 2022 it's it's hard to kind of see the good in people. Very divisive place. Like, I trusted strangers essentially with my life. I made a pinky promise with Beth that neither one of us uh, liked the Ted Bundy Netflix special or thought that, hey, maybe I could take some inspiration from that. We promised each other we weren't going to kill anybody, and it worked out great. So I'm not telling you to hitchhike. I'm not telling you to jump in the stranger's car. I'm just saying that uh, have a little faith in humanity because I did, and it worked out really good for me. Speaking of faith in humanity and speaking about traveling, let's talk about the transfer trail. Now, transfer portal, it's relatively new. Early signing day is not. And when you get a signing day like the Frogs got this past week, you feel pretty good, okay? Now, the transfer portal, it has its hits, it has its misses. It's going to work itself out. I don't know if every person who jumps in the transfer portal that comes to Fort Worth is going to turn into the next big thing. I don't know if every one of these transfer guys even starts next year, let alone plays big time, let alone has impactful moments for TCU. I hope they do. I cannot guarantee you, I cannot promise you that that's going to happen. But TCU football, they had a strong early signing day last Wednesday, finalizing commitments with 23 athletes that has become a top 20 recruiting class for the Horned Frogs. TCU had not uh, saw all but one signed a national letter of intent Wednesday, with the lone exception, of course, being four-star safety Warren Robinson, who remains committed to the program. National signing day will take place on the February 1st, 2023. Of the 23 signees who submitted the NIL or the NLI, uh, 19 are from the state of Texas, four coming out of state athletic programs. And here are the three that I want to highlight, with the last one being the most important. So Tommy Brockmeyer, he's an Alabama transfer, plays offensive line. Brockmeyer played high school football at All Saints Episcopal in Fort Worth, so he's coming home. He's a five-star prospect and was ranked number six in the nation of the class of 2021. This is what I love, okay? Now, height, you can't teach height. You can teach weight, but anytime a player, especially an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, comes in already weighing three stacks, perks my ears up. I love 300 pounds on my offense and defensive lineman. In the trenches, I need big guys. Hear the TikTok sound? I want a big boy like SZA. I want a big boy on the offensive line, and that's what... Uh, Brockermeyer is. He spent two seasons in Alabama where his twin brother James plays as well. So Tommy, he comes back home. Congratulations Tommy on choosing choosing a school in the Big 12 that is going to continue to compete. I I would say right now if you're buying stock, I'm not selling my Alabama stock, but hey, TCU is playing in uh, the playoffs. Where's Alabama, right? It's kind of a joke. Anyway, Mason White, Juco, played his uh, Juco ball at Mount Saint Ant- or Mount San Antonio College. White made ten appearances during the 2022 season, finishing six on the team with 37 total tackles. Second on the team with six pass breaks up, 
breakups while uh, tying the team's lead with five receptions. He's a ball hawk. White recorded 16 total tackles with two interceptions and six pass breakups in the 2021 season. So another defensive back joins the already loaded secondary class for TCU. Now, this is the one that I care the most about. This is the one that I had circled, starred, everything. Marcellos DeValle, he's a four-star from Midland Legacy, plays quarterback. This is the first prospect in the 2024 signing class. DeValle currently ranks number 22 in the nation, according to 24-7 Sports. He was the 2021 District 2-6A Offensive Newcomer of the Year as a sophomore. Now, these are the things that uh, uh, quarterbackhit.com is talking about. Now, Look, every one of these websites that grades high school players, they're going to be grading on their own thing. Dave Campbell's does a really good job when they talk about high school prospects. I really like uh, the guys over there. When, they're, when they write about a kid, when they tell me that this is a good guy, I tend to believe them. Now, quarterback hit list does a pretty good job as well. They have him as a pro-style quarterback, 6'3", 205 pounds. Now, you want to 6'3", relatively short for pro-style guys or for pro offensive uh Pro players, right? College football, a little bit different. You can kind of go off of the size a little bit more. You can be a little bit shorter, a little bit stouter. But I do like that build at 200 pounds. Here are some of the intangibles that they talk about. Excellent size. Can light up anywhere on the field. Throws made with high velocity. Okay, Able to get to his receivers in a hurry. That's according to a QB hit list. He wins awards in about every competition he competes in, the website goes on to say. Always among the top passers at camps. Very confident in his abilities as a quarterback. He's very skilled at picking up on open receivers within the secondary and able to work through progressions. Now, Sonny Sonny Dyke's offense doesn't require you to do a whole hell of a lot of, uh, you know, check downs and different reads and stuff like that. It's very, he makes it very easy. The air raid offense makes it very easy on the quarterback, according to a lot of people. I mean, look, Max Duggan just went to New York, came second for the Heisman, the highest voted player, I think, for the uh, Heisman Trophy from TCU and what feels like forever. I think it's about 20 years since LaDamian Tomlinson uh, was in that type of conversation. Look, TCU doesn't get a lot of guys that get invited to uh, New York for the Heisman ceremony. The fact that Sonny Dykes got a quarterback there year one makes me very, very optimistic going forward. Now, we mentioned class of 2024, so he probably won't see the field until 2025, the way that college football works with the redshirt rules and stuff like that. I would say that a playoff appearance in year one of the Sonny Dykes era at TCU feels pretty great, you know? But a national championship by year five, or I guess it would be year four, uh, that's even better. And then look, this is a high school kid. He's an early signee. You don't really know what to expect just yet, but this made my mouth salivate. I love young quarterbacks. I love to talk about young high school guys and what we can expect at that next level. I give a lot of credit to uh, Johnny Manziel for getting me on that because he played high school quarterback just down the road from me in uh, Kerrville, Texas, and I was all on board with the hype around him, and, hey, it turned into a Heisman winner. So hopefully this guy from a Midland Legacy, he can do something. All right. Enough about that. This is why you came to the podcast. We'll talk about the Fiesta Bowl. The biggest game in the Sunny Dykes era, for sure. The biggest game since the 2010 Rose Bowl, for certain. Okay, And uh, arguably the biggest game 
in uh, TCU history. Okay, they're seeing their first national championship since 1938. This is what caught my eye, and you're going to see this, and you might have already seen the stat a billion different times, a billion different ways. But I'm going to give it to you one more time in case you haven't seen it. This is the first time ever. Okay, remember we're in year 151 of college football. This is the first time ever TCU and Michigan have faced off against each other. That's a stat that I saw this week. I thought it was pretty interesting because I didn't see, I didn't expect that. I didn't, you know, between all the different bowl games, all the different matchups, all the different years, you think that these two teams would have played before. That's according to a, a stat I saw, right? First time TCU and Michigan are facing off against each other. Now, TCU will be at full strength while Michigan will be missing uh, Blake Corum. This is not news to anyone. He, he hurt his knee against Illinois earlier in the season. He was one of the best, if not the best, college football running back before the injury. Now, a lot of people are going to say uh, Robinson from Texas. You know, a couple other names get thrown out there. This guy had like 1,200 yards already. He was one of the best running backs in college football. And losing a guy like that, it's always hard to replace. Diamond Edwards has done a pretty good job, though, for the Wolverines. Uh, he had 216 yards against Ohio State. Now, last week, if you missed the podcast, we talked about the different matchups. And I was telling you that the matchup in the trenches is what's going to matter the most. TCU's defense all season long. Now, they've had a month to prepare, and they had a Big 12 championship where they had plenty of film on having a tough time stopping the run. They have like a, a month to figure out how to stop the run. Their defense is not built to stop the run. It's just not. Uh, they don't stack the box. They stack the box at a lower rate than almost everybody else uh, in the college football playoffs. They stack the box almost... I think the least out of every team in the top 10 uh, in the last poll rankings. They, their defense is a stop the pass. Like every single defense in the Big 12 is stop the pass. That's why you can get big running backs doing big things in the Big 12 if you're lucky or if you, you know scheme it right because the secondary is built to move around. Linebackers are not built to stop running backs. They're not built to stop offensive linemen pulling downfield. They're meant to break up passes around the middle. They're meant to stop tight ends from having big games. You know, they're made to make sure that a tight end on any given Saturday doesn't look like Travis Kelsey or Rob Gronkowski. You want linebackers that are short, that are fast, that can move around the field, that can get into coverage. TCU has that. They've got a defense that can do that. The problem is, is that Michigan will not throw the ball unless they are forced to. This Michigan team reminds me a lot of that Ohio State team that gave Alabama so much trouble in 2014. Now, I've been thinking about this all week, and I know it's almost blasphemous to compare the two. But if you remember, 2014, I want to say it was the Sugar Bowl. It was the first round of the playoffs between Ohio State and and uh, Alabama. Alabama looked outplayed. They looked slow. They looked lethargic. And it was because their whole defense was built to stop the run, the SEC running game that completely dominated the uh, first half of this century, right? Like the first 20 years of this uh, of the SEC football in the 2000s was all predicated on running the ball, okay? And their defense was set up to stop LSU, to stop Mississippi State, to stop Florida-type deep teams that were run heavy. And then Ohio State showed up, and they were able to throw all over them, and they had offensive linemen that were quick, and they had running backs that were able to hit the hole hard, and Alabama got run off the field. Okay, they they just didn't they didn't have a defense that could stop the Ohio State offensive firepower with Ezekiel Elliott and all those guys. And I I say this because if TCU and the defense 
didn't change anything. If, if you're running the same defense, if you're running the same schemes that you ran against Texas, that you ran against Kansas State in the, earlier in the season or against Kansas State in the Big 12 championship, this game could get very ugly because Michigan does not have the type of talent that Ohio State does. I don't even think they have the same offensive talent. I would argue that offensively, TCU has better offensive talent than Michigan. But <laughs> they have the type of offensive line that can push you around. They have the type of offensive line that can force you into mistakes as a defensive team. Okay, What do I mean by that? Well, if you have an offensive line that's able to control the line of scrimmage and then three yards past the line of scrimmage, then your defense is going to have to do some funny stuff. Okay, You're going to have to bring your safeties up. You might have corners kind of pressing a little bit more. You're, you're, you're putting yourself into a situation that play-action passes are going to kill you. Slants are going to kill you. Bubble screens are going to kill you. And that's exactly what J.J. Uh, McCarthy, the quarterback for the Wolverines, can do to you. Like, we saw him in the Ohio State game, and that's what everybody's been talking about for the past month, is that in that Ohio State game, when forced to pass, he was able to. What I want to tell you is that TCU is a better team than that. TCU's defense is better than Ohio State's secondary in that they have seen everything that they've need. They, they, they've seen everything they've done everything. Uh, against some of the best passing teams, the most complex passing games in college football, they see. And they face one of the best offensive coordinators every single week in practice. Like, what people forget about college football is, yes, you're doing install and all that type of stuff, but Riley or uh, Garrett Riley is the offensive coordinator for TCU. Do you think he's not well, talking to the defensive coach? How would you stop this? How would you stop that? Coaches are always talking to each other. That TCU coaching staff is incredible. Uh, my point is, J.J. McCarthy, when forced to throw the ball downfield against TCU, uh, can make mistakes, will make mistakes. If Michigan can run the ball, this is going to be a very interesting game. And this is where I go with this, right? Is that everything that I've seen, everything that I've heard leading up to this game, from the pundits, from the blogs, from the gambling sites, Caesar Sportsbook, everything, they have this game hitting the over, which I think was 58 and a half last time I checked. And they have Michigan winning the seven and a half spread. They have Michigan beating TCU outright. I've seen it as much as 45 to 27. There is not a single person outside of the TCU fan base that has any sort of faith in this Frogs team in the Fiesta Bowl. And the last time that we were in this situation, the last time this happened where everybody bet against TCU, was in 2010 in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin, where it was TCU who missed out on the national championship because they played in the Mountain West Conference. They missed out on the national championship even though they had been undefeated the entire season, even though they had been undefeated the season prior, even though they had all of the stats, everything to back it up, the coaches poll, the AP, everything backed up that they should have had a chance in the national championship except the computers. And TCU was bet on against then, too. Mich or Wisconsin, Blue Blood, Big Ten, J.J. Watt. You know, everybody bet against TCU in that game in the Rose Bowl. And what happened? The Frogs persisted. This one thing that TCU has done since Gary Patterson got there, since Sonny Dykes has taken over, is that they do not read the press clippings which you got to give them credit for. It's very easy as a 21, 20-year-old kid, get on Twitter, get on Instagram, get on YouTube, and see everybody talking bad about you. 
Okay, it's very easy to see everybody talking good about you. You can fall. You can rest back a little bit. TCU doesn't take the media narrative. Okay, the frogs do not care what you think about them. Learn that lesson. That's something you can take. All of us can take. Put in the back pocket. They do not care what the media says about them. You know what they do care about? Winning. They care about what they do between the white lines. And if TCU can stop the run game of Michigan, if they can own the line of scrimmage, then this game is going to be very drastically different than what everybody's telling you it's going to be. And I'm telling you right now, I got the frogs. I'm rolling with TCU. Same way I rolled with Max Duggan, even though Caleb Williams was the preemptive favorite to win the Heisman. I was wrong there. But this is the game plan I'm laying out for the frogs. Take it if you want it. Here's what I'm saying. Michigan's throttled mediocre Big Ten talent. I understand. I understand. The Big Ten, it's a great conference. Okay, the SEC, it's a great conference. The Big 12 is not a pushover conference. The Big 12 has legit players. They have legit coaches. The defenses yeah, might be a little suspect. But if everybody is bringing a bazooka to the gunfight, then shoot. You better know how to aim straight. And that's exactly what TCU does. They're a straight shooting team that's defense- can it be suspect at times? Sure. Can the defense have a little bit of trouble in big spots? It's happened. But you know who bails them out? Is the offense. The offense always bails them out. Now, against Michigan, we will see. Max Duggan was talking to the media earlier this uh, today, telling us that, look, <laughs> the Michigan defense is great. There's players all over the field, which is true. They're not more talented than Ohio State. They're not more talented than Georgia. Well, whoever TCU plays in the national championship will have a better defense than what Michigan's bringing to the table today. We can worry about that when we get there. I have complete faith in this Horned Frogs team, and you should too. Here's the game plan. Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley talked to me in a dream a couple nights ago. This is what they told me, all right? TCU gets the ball first. TCU works the ball down the field. A couple of runs, a couple of short passes, nothing to write home about, just exactly what they do every single game. Is they work the ball down the field with the run game, work the ball with a short pass. TCU goes up at one point in this game, 7-zip. Michigan's going to come back. They're going to go score a touchdown, 7-7. This is where it gets interesting. TCU is going to own the time of possession in this game. And if they want to win, that's what they're going to have to do. Because what Michigan's going to want to do is they're going to want to run the ball. You're going to have to force a punt early in the first half, preferably early in the second quarter. Just milk the clock in the first, score, get some, get a score on the board, work the clock a little bit, force a punt early. That is exactly where you want Michigan. If you can get Michigan down by 7 to 14 points, that is where you want them going into the second half. Because if they're forced to throw the ball, that is where TCU can win the game. Now, what they have to do is what they've done all year. Forget the talk. Forget the chatter and just focus on winning the game. And that's exactly what TCU is going to do. Now, going to make a prediction here. Going to make a prediction. Here's my final score prediction. I'm taking TCU 33, Michigan 27. 33 to 27. I think it's going to be a weird scoring game. I think TCU plays Georgia in the national championship. That is your official prediction for the Hypnotoad Podcast. I want to thank you guys again for listening, for subscribing, for sharing it everywhere, and uh, please continue to do that. Your support means everything to us on the uh, the network. One last time, I'm Andrew Zimmel. You're listening to the Heartland College Football Podcast Network. 
the Hypnotoad Podcast. Go Frogs! <laughs>